lot of people that followed Jesus around. And, you know, he fed thousands upon thousands of people on two different occasions, and he had people following him around everywhere. Um, but not all of those people were believers, and even less of those people were actually what we would call disciples. Joining us for this episode of General Order 4. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the difference between a believer and a disciple. Hello, and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. And on today's episode, we have an uh, interesting topic, I think, and uh, hopefully it'll be enlightening for you. And the idea that we're wanting to get across today is the difference between a believer and a disciple. And at face value, it may be pretty obvious what that is, uh, but we just wanted to back up and kind of prove from Scripture uh, the difference between those two things. And so um, I'm joined, as usual, by Pastor Brian Stewart today. Good day. And we wanted to go ahead and <clears throat> kind of dig in. So, Pastor Stewart, if I'm, I'm just going to go right ahead and throw it over to you and let you start talking about what the Scripture says a believer is. All right. A believer is obviously, uh, to most of us, uh, we would not struggle identifying that as somebody who's putting their faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross in his death for our sins, according to the scripture, his burial and his resurrection. And so when we put our faith and trust in that and we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the scriptures and God tells us that we shall be saved and so a saved person is a believer in Jesus Christ. And so that's what we have as a believer. In fact, uh, driving here, I saw a sign on a, on a church uh, marquee that said, uh, Jesus said, uh, nothing is impossible to those who believe. And it, <laughs> they misquoted drastically because it's not <laughs> that you believe, it's in whom you believe right. that makes the huge difference. And so... Uh, it's not just that you're a believer in something, but it's that you're a believer in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the mm -hmm. salvation of your sins. If we look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16, we see this term uh, believe used. And Paul is writing here to Timothy, who is a young pastor, and he says, How be it for this cause I obtain mercy, Paul is giving his own testimony here, that in me... First, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. He's already mentioned that he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an injurious, that uh, he attained mercy uh, because he had done it in ignorance and unbelief. Mm -hmm. And so now he's identifying that he's a believer. And he says that I'm now a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Mm -hmm. And so that belief in Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection gives you life everlasting and that is that belief that he's talking about and so then when he talks to timothy later on in uh this passage we have in chapter 4 in verse 12 we see another time where he uses this term believer and he says let to timothy the the young pastor he's in his 30s at this time says let no man despise thy youth but be thou an example of the believers mm -hmm. in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So obviously Timothy is somebody who was a believer in Jesus Christ, but he is a mature believer 
And now he is to be an example of the believers in these areas. And right. so to those who are young in their faith, those that are believers, he wants to teach them how they're to interact and how they're to behave. And if we look at Acts chapter 5. Yeah, so in Acts chapter chapter number 5, um, the context of this passage is that Peter and the other apostles have been doing many signs and wonders and preaching to the people. And uh, if we pick up in verse number 14, it says, And believers were the more added unto the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. And I think it's interesting that it uses the word uh, believers here. Um, instead of a number of other words that might have been used and have been used in other passages. Um, so <clears throat> in in another place in Acts, it talks about how many were saved and then baptized and added to the church. It doesn't say that of this particular passage, um, but it calls these people believers. And so these are people who, who believed in Christ, not just that there were signs and wonders, um, because later in the passage, it talks about people bringing sick folks and all these kind of things just because they think Peter had mystical power, you know. Um, but... Peter was preaching Christ, and so there were many that believed, and so that differentiation between uh, what a believer is and what just the regular people are is is made. I find it interesting, too, if you look a little bit higher up in Acts chapter 5, it does call them people, Um in verse number 12, verse 12, yeah, in verse 12, it says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And then later in the passage, it calls some of them believers. And so there's a there's a difference made between those two things. And also, while you were speaking about uh, when Paul was writing in Timothy there, uh, one passage that just came to mind was when Jesus asks Peter, uh, whom do men say that I am? Mm. Peter gives him several answers. Or the disciples give him several answers. They say, you know, we some people think you're Elias and some people think that you're Jeremiah. Um, mm-hmm. And he says, who do ye say that I am? And that's when Peter makes his confession that he's the Christ. And so that indicates then uh, Peter is not, he's not just one of the people who's following Jesus around. He is, in fact, a believer. And... Um, I, I do think, again, we, we're kind of making a difference between believers and disciples in this episode, but you could also draw a line between followers and believers, because uh, there were a lot of people that followed Jesus around, and you know he fed thousands upon thousands of people on two different occasions, and he had people following him around everywhere, um, but not all of those people were believers, and even less of those people were actually what we would call disciples. Yes, and so the differentiation here, or the distinction... Uh, that we want to point out is that a believer is a scriptural distinction of somebody who has placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, A believer, uh, you could be a believer and not be baptized. Uh, You can be a believer and not be a follower of Christ or a disciple of Christ. And so there's a lot of different categories. You can be a a believer and not be a teacher or instructor, a pastor, a pastor. There's a lot of things that you can be as, as a believer, but one thing you can't be is lost and be a believer. Right, right. And, and, uh, and so we just want to point out that there's a distinction in Scripture, and God uses that distinction in these passages uh, for somebody who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The other distinction is that we can be a disciple uh, or a follower of Jesus Christ. So in Mark chapter number 3, 
Um, there's, we've talked about this quite a bit. We really hit this uh, nail on the head pretty hard in the very first episode of this podcast. So if you've not listened to that, you may want to go back and listen to that episode. Um, but in the very first episode, uh, we really hit this nail on the head because it, it pretty much defines what a disciple is and what is a disciple, what a disciple is supposed to be. So in Mark chapter number three, um, in verse number 13, and, and earlier in the chapter, he's been speaking to a group of people. And then in verse number 13, it says, and he goeth up into a mountain, which is what Jesus often did in order to get away from the crowd. Um, and he says, and he called unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. So it indicates that there was a group of people that was larger than just his normal 12 disciples. And then in verse number 14, it says, and he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. So he had these 12 men that are commonly called the 12 disciples or his disciples um, throughout scripture. But the, the, the factor that makes that them disciples is the fact that they would be with him. And you can go all throughout the, the, uh, the gospels, everywhere that Jesus went, these men went with him unless he told them specifically to go somewhere else. Um, you know, I'm, what comes to mind uh, is when he told them to cross the sea and he stayed and then he comes across the water uh, to meet them. But every other time, almost every other time he's with them the whole time. And, uh, he sends them out to preach in another, uh, in this passage actually. Um, but the point is that they were with him and they were following him and they were doing his will. And that's what differentiated them from all the other believers in Christ as disciples. And that that's the key thing that a disciple is not just a believer. Uh, we have a bad habit um, of calling everybody a disciple. Not everybody's a disciple. Um, not everybody that's a believer is a disciple, unfortunately. Christ desires that every believer be a disciple, but not everyone is. And so they ought to be, and he has a desire for them to be, but not everybody is a disciple of Christ, and we ought to have a desire to be a disciple. In order to do that, we need to be with him, learning more and more about him all the time. So the pursuit, the active pursuit of Jesus Christ is the thing that differentiates a believer uh, in Christ uh, from a disciple. He continues to uh, teach in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, and uh, he gives this statement in verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. The word be there is a word that has to do with standing, remaining, fixed, or continuing. It's a being verb, so it's where am I? I'm going to be in this fixed position. What, who is he talking to? And if you go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, you find out he's talking to those who are believers, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and the faithful that are in Christ Jesus. So there's a faithfulness connected to this following Christ. Again, it goes back to the very simple illustration of follow the leader. Right. Um, if you have somebody following the leader and you're not following that leader, are you a follower of them? Well, you may have been in the past and you may choose to follow in the future, but in the current, you're not. And so being a disciple of Jesus Christ or a follower of Jesus Christ is one who is currently following. And that's what we're being admonished to, to do here in Scripture is to be a, therefore followers of God. Right. And so we're to be a follower of him. Uh, that therefore means it's based on all of the blessings that he talks about in the previous chapters. And then this word follower. Uh, I want you to 
uh, follow along with this definition and maybe even slow down enough to write it out and you can stop the podcast and replay it, especially if you're at home or not driving. If you're driving, we'd encourage you not to be paying that close (laughs) attention to it. But uh, this term follower means a follower is one who pursues, and Simi, you've already used that term, obeys, worships, and honors another, in this case, God, who is their guide in teaching or doctrine in opinions and behavior. Mm -hmm. So when he's using this word followers, he's saying, this is a person who's going to pursue the teachings, the opinions, and the behavior of God, who's going to obey the teachings and opinions and behavior of God, who's going to worship God for what he teaches us, for what his opinions are, and for what our behavior ought to be, and one who honors God for those things as well. And we have a guide, and we don't have to go at this alone. And so I can be a believer in Jesus Christ and have salvation, but that in and of itself does not make me a follower of Jesus Christ. That is a conscious choice that Paul alludes to uh, really in the beginning of our walk with the Lord there in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, where he talks about us presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's a choice that we make that I am going to abandon all of my possessions and all of my opinions and all of my priorities and all of those things that are mine that I had before I came to Christ. And everything and all that I am now is going to be abandoned and I am going to simply live for him, following him, looking to his example so that I can do as he has called me to do. And then it's not a follower of just anybody, but it's a follower of God. And then I really like how he ended this, where he talks about that we are to follow him how. He tells us how, as dear children. And that word dear means beloved, dear to the heart. As a parent, there have been many times that my children have uh behaved in a way that was pleasing in my sight. Mm -hmm. And when they behave in a way that's pleasing in my sight, it endears their heart to mine and my heart to theirs. Mm -hmm. And my heart goes out to them. It causes that feeling in me of just my heart going out to them. And I just want to hug them. I just want to... Now, my boys are in their 20s and married and have kids of their own. And so I, they're not as favorable to me hugging them as they once were. We were also a Midwesterner, you know so there's that too. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things where they're just when they do something that is very pleasing in my sight and they behave in that way, it just makes my heart overwhelm. And I'm sure our listeners uh, can have that. If you've never had any children and you don't have that experience, think about when your heart goes out for that puppy or that kitten or that cute little whatever uh, animal that uh, that you uh, maybe see on the side of the road or something. Uh, that doesn't even compare to what a parent experiences, but it's closer enough that you might understand. But it's that heart, and he says, this is how I want you to follow God. Yeah. As a dear child, one who is living in a way that is pleasing, the behavior is pleasing in his sight, because he's the one that, that leads in that. 
And twice we see Christ as an example in that in the beginning of his ministry at his baptism, Jesus says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then at the Mount of Transfiguration later in his ministry, we see that. But let me take you to another verse in John chapter 5 in verse 19, because discipleship is really defined here in John chapter 5. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. If you want a definition of discipleship or a follower of Jesus Christ, well, Jesus is our example in everything and including how we follow God. And he admonishes us here in Ephesians 5 to be followers of God as dear children. Here, the same terminology is used, father and son is used, and he says the son can do nothing of himself. You and I ought to be able to put our name there. Brian Stewart can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the son do, because the son, in this case, Jesus Christ, has followed exactly what the father did. And not what he might do, not what I think he would do, but what he did. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. If I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm a follower of God, then I'm going to be obedient to what he has done. And I'm going to do it like he did it. I'm going to just simply go back to follow the leader. I'm going to follow him and I'm going to try and get as close to him as I can so I can see exactly how he's doing it. I'm not having to necessarily any longer depend on others. Mm -hmm. And that's what maturity is about, is not having to look at how other people are following him and follow them. But I want to follow him and get my eyes on him as quickly as I can. And we're going to find him in the word of God. Yeah, that reminds me too, of that uh, John chapter 14 in, in verse 9 when they ask Jesus to show them the Father. And Jesus oh, yeah. and Jesus saith unto them, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. So Jesus, uh, just to reinforce that point that you just made, Jesus is saying, if you are a follower of me, you are a follower of God. You are a follower of the Father. And so really just sure. just to reinforce that same point that's what that's what Jesus was saying is he was saying look um stay with me he ordained 12 that they would be with him why because in following him they were following God the Father at the same time and so that's really the the, the point that Jesus was trying to make there that's good and so good. if we look at another passage we can go to Luke um chapter number 9 there's some men that come to Jesus and they say that they want to be followers of him or disciples of him um, in a more intimate way than just those that were roundabout following Jesus around in the crowd. Um, and there's three different men and two of them come to Jesus. One of them, Jesus calls out. Um, I find it interesting that at the same time that people are looking for Christ, Christ is always looking for people. Um, that's, that's a whole different point. But um in, in Luke chapter number 9 and uh, verse number 57, if we start there, it says, It came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto, them, uh, said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And if you look at that at face value, you're like, why is Jesus discouraging this man from following him? I think, obviously, Jesus knew his heart and knew 
you know, he's probably not going to follow him if he's not willing to live the way that Jesus lived. And then in verse 59, and he said unto another, that's Jesus, follow me. And he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And we know, you know, dispensationally, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about um, this current age, the church age in which we are um, getting the gospel to people. And so Jesus is saying, it almost sounds harsh again. He's saying, you know, let the dead bury their dead. In other words, there are, there are, the most important thing you can possibly do is preach the kingdom of God, is to preach the gospel. And um, so, again, he's making an emphasis. This man is choosing his family over Christ and that we can't choose anything over Christ. And then in yeah. verse number 61, it says, And another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Simply saying, you know, if there's if there's something you have to do before you can serve God, you're not fit to serve God. Um, and so we've got these three examples of people, all three of which, if you look at face value, you'd say, man, Jesus was awfully harsh towards these three guys. But Jesus was making a point of weakness in their desire to... F- to f- <coughs> excuse me. He was making... <coughs> <clears throat> Jesus was making a point in their weakness uh, that they wanted to follow Christ. They had a desire to f- be a disciple of his, but there were things in the way. And the point is, if you're going to be a disciple, you have to make sure that you're willing to do whatever it is that Christ ha- would have for you to do. You need to be able to change whatever it is that Christ would have you to change. Because to be with Christ means to sacrifice some things. Yeah. And I mean, you think back to the example of Peter. Uh, Peter, uh, Jesus met him along the way. He was fishing, and he he said to Peter and to his uh, brother, follow me. And Peter did what? He had to leave the nets behind. He had to leave his business behind. He left his family behind, and he immediately at that command chose to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And you mm-hmm. see in Luke chapter 18 and verse 28, Peter is talking with the Lord and 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 having a discussion with him later on in their ministry in the ministry and in following him and Peter said lo we have left all and followed thee notice Peter is identifying that now this passage is not uh, a passage where he he's kind of making a complaint uh, but nonetheless he is stating the facts and the facts are they did leave everything they had behind mm-hmm. to be a follower or a disciple of Jesus Christ and so when they uh, this difference is what uh, you can be a believer in Jesus Christ and you have all the benefits of being a saved person but you also have the responsibility to be a follower of Jesus Christ which is a is a moment by moment, day by day, week by week, hour by hour, month by month, year by year, uh, decision that we need to make to continue to pursue following Jesus Christ. And as Christ gives us that example that we talked about just a few moments ago about the fact that everything the Son did, or everything the Father did, the Son saw it and he followed and did those same things. So we are to be like Christ and follow the Father in complete obedience and in complete uh, uh, pursuit of Christ-likeness. And if we Mm -hmm. stop and think about this, 
that's what he created us to do, didn't isn't it? To have fellowship with him. Right. To bear his image and his likeness and and be a reflection of him to the rest of creation. That's why he made us as mankind, as the human yeah. race, the crowning creation. Because he was going to allow us to reflect him to this world. And really being a disciple of Jesus Christ is living up to my created purpose. Right. I think one thing that I, I had posted on Twitter, I don't know how people feel about social media, but um, I do a lot more posting than I do reading. <laughs> but <laughs> the uh, one of the things that I had put out on Twitter the other day was just the thought that, that the Lord gave me, and that was that when you approach your Bible to read or to study, you have to approach it with all of your preconceived notions thrown to the side and be perfectly willing to just say, Lord, change me. And if you don't approach the Bible that way, then you're going to miss something because Christ wanted you to be with him so that he could make you more into his image. And um, you, you do, you just miss something. But there is a sacrifice in that. And the sacrifice is that you're going to have to give up some of yourself. You're going to have to give yes. up some of the things in life that you may, you may even hold dear. You know, I, I know guys that worship football, just worship football, you know. And some of that might have to be given up in their life if they were to truly pursue Christ. And so it's, there are things that you may, and that's a silly example because it's obviously a first world example, but there are things that you may have to adjust and change because you've become a true follower of Christ, a, a, a disciple of his, instead of just a believer who goes to church and who's been baptized and is playing the church game. And you've yeah. gotten serious and you've decided, you know what? I don't want to be a believer, just a believer anymore. I want to pursue Christ. And in doing so, there will be things that you have to give up. Now, Christ, as if you continue reading that passage, talks about all the things that are gain. And the Apostle Paul, in his writings also, you know, he says, this, these are all the things that I suffered, but all those things are actually gain to me. Um, yeah. So there's great gain in following Christ as well. But in the short term, there is things that you have to give up. There are things that you have to suffer. I think... Um, I mentioned this to you earlier in private, brother, but what comes to mind for me is the uh, the great missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, and mm -hmm. the Inland China Mission, and he came back from China to recruit people. He sent over 10,000 people into China, if you can imagine that. Um, but he came wow. back to recruit people because at the time they were going to be going into these inland backwoods areas full of disease and, and just ridden with you know, savage people. Um, that would kill them or eat them or who knows what, and uh, very unsettled parts of China. And he was he was coming back to recruit people, and the way that he would recruit them is he literally would tell them, whatever you want to bring, pack it in a coffin, because you're probably not coming home. And he knew mm. that less than a third of those people would ever make it back. And But more than 10,000 people went, and that's the amazing thing. But the point is... There are things that you have to give up if you're truly going to follow Christ and do what he wants you to do with your life. Hmm. And, you know, that can be scary, or we can just recognize that God knows what's best for us anyway and follow after him. I don't think yeah. at the end of any one of the apostles' lives, even though every one of them met a gruesome demise, the the, the twelve, um, well, the eleven, I guess. Judas did as well, but he wasn't really a disciple. <laughs> um, but those eleven men... They all met a demise that we would not consider desirable, but I don't think a single one of them would have said that they had any regrets about it because yeah. they knew that the reward for what they did was so much greater. 
And if we have a desire to truly be a disciple of Christ, there are going to be some things that we have to give up. But the reward is truly greater. Sure. Uh, one of the things that you point out is that there's a lot of things we got to give up. But the interesting thing is that there's a lot of things we gain as mm-hmm. well uh, by being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And notice when Jesus is calling Peter and Andrew in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, he says to them this statement, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so that I know we've talked about this before, he will make us fishers of men. But what I gain is the ability and the tools and the uh, equipping and the power to actually see men's lives changed for eternity. Mm -hmm. And so as a disciple of Jesus Christ, I can't produce this in myself. Right. He doesn't say I need to learn to be a fisher of men. He says that Jesus will make me a fisher of men if I Mm -hmm. just pursue him. And Paul tells us that we need to have the mind of Christ. And and this is part of having the heart and the mind of Christ, because why did he come? He came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we're already condemned. And so this mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, all of that is what you and I gain when we follow him as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So the admonition here is to not just be a believer. Oh, we certainly want everybody to be a believer. Right. But we want you to move on from that base or that beginning stage and mature into that disciple, that follower of Jesus Christ, where you can be a productive, fruit-bearing member of his body, and you can see him working in and through you to work in and through others as well. And so the gains are much greater, and the losses are only temporal things, but the gains are eternal gains that we get to have. So what a blessing to be a follower of Jesus Christ, a follower of God as his disciples, learning and growing and maturing into Christ-likeness. Right. And I think, honestly, a good example of that is in the life of the Apostle Paul, when he got saved, he didn't just stop killing people. He started discipling and reaching people immediately. Um, So he didn't just start... Uh, he didn't just stop being a bad person. You know, often we we hear people give testimony of getting saved out of gruesome sin, and I think that's great. You know, that that pe- that God is able to save mm. anyone from anything. Amen. Um, but that is not the ending point. That's just the starting point. God not only wants to save somebody out of gruesome sin, but He wants to send them back into the world to reach others, and and to teach others, and to make them disciples as well. And um, so, yes. no, that's a great point. And I think that's a good place for us to kind of wrap up this episode. And I hope we made that clearer, the difference between a believer and a disciple. And uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can always reach out to us. I'll give you the information there. Please feel free to comment. Uh, Subscribe, of course, so so you can get the next episodes and go back and listen to ones that we've already put out there. Um, But also, most podcast mediums have a way to share. So feel free to do that and share this with your friends, anybody you think might be helped by it. All we want to do is help people. We don't make any profit off of this. We're just trying to help people. So if you want to share this, that would help out greatly. And uh, thanks again for listening to this episode, and we'll be back with you next week. God bless. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we're going to continue our discussion about discipleship. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter at General Order the number 4. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe.